0: No, Adrian, we've been doing this podcast for a while, but I feel like we've already yeah. done like a thousand Marvel
1: episodes. Because we probably have. <laughs> we've, done,
0: <laughs> we've done so many. I was just thinking about that as we were heading up to Jessica Jones. I was like, man, we've covered Marvel a lot. With good reason, though. Marvel yeah. releases quite a bit of content, most of its quality.
1: And I don't and know. And the rest of it is Iron Fist. Just saying. Yeah, it. <laughs>
0: I just... I, we can't. I'm putting a, I'm putting a cap on it. We can't talk about Iron Fist today. Okay. What we are going to talk about is season two of Jessica Jones. We did the preview episode a couple weeks back. If you haven't yep. watched it yet, you can check out that episode. Get yourself hyped. Listen to the first half of today's episode, which will be spoiler-free. I promise we won't spoil anything for you if you're just a little bit into the series. If yep. you haven't watched it yet, you'll be fine. We will let you know when we get deep into spoiler territory. Eric Eisenberg, events editor for Cinema Blend, host oop, oop. of the Facebook live show Hero Blend, and an all around expert on superhero stuff. He's here today. Woo woo. Very happy to be here, guys, <laughs> as always. I, I, I
2: like, as like, just in regards to your conversation about many Marvel shows, yeah, I feel like I've been on a
0: bunch of them. So, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah no, like, I think I can totally uh, testify. Yeah. Deja vu, like, every time we do an episode like this. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to talk about Jessica Jones, but first, we got a lot of news to talk about.
1: Yeah, Netflix has announced it's working on yet another movie with some big names attached. Uh, it's coming from director writer Dan Gilroy, and it will star Jake Gyllenhaal, John Malkovich, Renee Russo, Tony Collette, um, David Diggs of Hamilton fame, and a lot of other people. <sighs> I feel like Netflix at this point is really just kind of saying yes to any and everything, just in the hopes of. Getting award nominations. And for me, a lot of their recent movies have been really disappointing. Um, I don't have any real hope that this is like I'm not looking forward to this this movie. I don't have any real hope that it's going to be good. If I happen to see it and it's good, great. But I'm not looking forward to it um do you guys what do you guys think are you looking are you looking oh, forward to this i,
2: I will hit with you hit you with a hardcore disagree there adrian I, okay I, like uh N- nightcrawler which was the last time that dan gilroy teamed up with both uh renee russo who I actually believe his might be his wife and mm-hmm. uh jake gyllenhaal was nightcrawler yeah. and nightcrawler is easily one of my favorite movies of at least the 21st century i like okay. when it came out uh a couple years ago i was absolutely blown away by that film i I think Jake Gyllenhaal was completely robbed an Academy Award nomination. It is just, it is a spectacular film. And the fact that you're getting Agreed. this group together, not to mention all the other actors, incredibly talented actors that you mentioned, and with its really cool sounding plot regarding like the art world and collectors. Yeah. And like, it, it sounds like a very cool project. I, I, I have very high hopes, though I at the same time do completely understand where you're coming from in terms of like Netflix, just, complete, just throwing money at projects.
1: Yeah. Mick, Eric, I completely
0: you? agree with your assessment on Nightcrawler, by the way. The scene where Jake Gyllenhaal is watching television and he starts laughing at something that happens and he kind of looks around in the room that he is alone <laughs> in to be like, Did you guys just see what happened there? is like one of the weird. It's so weird, but it's so amazing at the brilliant. same time. Oh, you feel brilliant. like you're just like living that character. Plus, we're talking about John Malkovich, the great North American actor. <laughs> this guy <laughs> is an iconic. Okay. He's an icon. I love it for anything John Malkovich is in, so I'm gonna at yeah. least be the least bit intrigued anytime I hear his name pop up in sure. something. So I think okay. Netflix is doing a good job at at least getting my attention.
1: Okay, all right. Now I will admit I've heard good things about Nightcrawler, but I haven't seen it. Is it is this the movie where Jake Gyllenhaal plays the cameraman who starts committing murders? Ah,
2: uh, he doesn't commit them so much as like he like Scripts what is. He, He's, collect- he's collecting uh, footage for, like, early morning news, like, local news yeah. broadcasts, and, like, the, the it bleeds, it leads is kind of the whole motto of the industry. And so he winds yeah. up, like, not only, like, breaking ethical guidelines, but at the same time, it's starting to, like, orchestrate some terrible stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a phenomenal, okay. phenomenal film. Couldn't recommend it. Okay.
1: That. All right. So it, it kind of sounds like if I had seen that movie, I'd be more interested in this, even with the current – netflix movie track record (laughs) that's all it's all up to opinion it's worth a watch
0: either way i would say yeah okay
1: okay cool well in our second piece of news just some general streaming news i just found out how many streaming services there are and i am shocked and a little bit horrified (laughs) at how many there are um now this count is as of the third quarter of last year so it's probably already higher by now But at that time, there were already 202 streaming services.
0: (laughs) Hot damn. That is insane.
1: And my guess would have probably been around 100. But the idea that there are that many is just, like, ridiculous to me. Does this surprise you guys? Do do you think this can go on? I mean, like, in in my heart, I want to say that at some point, these will start to kind of, you know, uh, coalesce and there will be fewer of them. But in 1980, we didn't, nobody could have guessed how many actual networks and channels we would have by this point. So do you guys, what do you guys think? Is this going to just keep growing I
2: think that ultimately kind of and Netflix to their credit figured out this figured this out a long time ago which is, I think what in, in, to the parallel that you made exactly with kind of network and te- cable television is that it's ultimately all going to be about original content like that is how you are going to subsist as like you have all of these things grow because any streaming service can get the rights to a movie or a television show and host it and, mm-hmm. and, and like draw some viewers that way but the way that actually you're going to subsist and keep growing is by having Original content and having money to throw into bigger projects that then get a bigger audience because that's the stuff that actually makes you stand out. Every like I said, I mean, any streaming service can acquire those rights. I mean, so like the fact that there are 200, that is very much a kind of wild, wild west atmosphere there there is like that is completely uncontrolled and i'm sure that like that number i'm like can include stuff like mlb tv and like nfl stuff sports but at at the same time like like that that that's uh that's a crazy number
0: i want i won't i won't disagree with that i'm not all that shocked about the number but i was shocked because the top three we expect amazon hulu netflix not in that order obviously yeah but top those are the top three most popular I was shocked, Eric, you just mentioned it, MLB TV number four, and in a time where you feel like, I don't know, baseball kind of feels like the underrated pastime that everybody talks about when you talk about like television numbers, but then I looked into it. You can follow a whole ma- national like baseball team for 20 bucks a month. That's Actually, a pretty amazing deal. What's kind of amazing
2: about it, even is I that service was available when I was in college like that, actually MLB TV has been around for a really, really long time. And so, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm not entirely surprised that it's it's certainly a stalwart. And uh, but, yeah, it's numbers. That's uh, pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, I was surprised that YouTube Red is on that list of the top 10 or whatever. (laughs) That many people are watching YouTube Red shows. Blame it on the kids.
0: It's the kids. It has I guess the so. younger teens. But it's the money to subscribe.
2: <laughs> I guess, yeah, I mean, I, I my main thing is like, I guess, I, I like, I think about uh, like C- CBS All Access, which I yeah. like went for to get uh, basically Star Trek. When now I don't have it because Star Trek is over, but. Uh, I mean, to that end, I, th- I feel like it is kind of a weird thing where I I have Amazon, Hulu, HBO, Netflix, all of those, but I don't find myself regularly adding new streaming services to, like, my PlayStation 4 where I watch a lot of my right. stuff. So it is interesting that, like, there is that incredible growing number of streaming services, but at the same time, like, me personally as someone who is, all fitting to this show, a cord cutter and still
0: not necessarily taking full advantage of the full breadth of what's available. yeah absolutely we'll, we'll see what happens now we got to get into the jessica jones nitty-gritty part now yeah yep. i we i feel like first off it's been two and like almost two and a half years since season one so i will admit i watched that season one recap like a hawk because i was <laughs> like i need to remember who the hell all these people are adrian do you think you could just recap everything that happened in season one of jessica jones that's kind of relevant in season two
1: Um, well, she found out that there was a company, a specific company behind, um, her powers. They came in, IGH came in and, uh, after the accident she had with her family, they experimented on her and that's how she got her powers. And, um, the, like the main point of of at least the beginning of, uh, season two is her trying to find IGH and stop them. Uh, I, th- I think that's the the biggest thing from <laughs> isn't that the biggest thing from the first season? That's that's it's, the
0: long and short of it. I think Eric, do you got anything you could throw in there that you Well, find I'd, I'd say addition? the
2: big addition to that would also just be Trish Walker like being this radio journalist who uh and sister of Jessica Jones who is like has a running parallel story working yeah. alongside Jessica to figure out the secrets behind IGH. So. Mhm.
0: That'd be the bigger thing. There we go. I think... Yeah, I think that's about all you really need to know going into the season. Uh, One thing I was kind of surprised, the events of the Defenders don't really get mentioned in Season 2 of Jessica Jones, nor are they really that important to the plot. Did I miss something? Not at all.
1: The only mention that i heard that kind trying of trying to remain spoiler to, free
0: try to remain spoiler free just throwing it out there but
1: okay well all she says is that she at some point in episode one or two she says heroes die and to me that wasn't a, a, direct, a direct reference to what happened in the defenders at the end of the defenders um but it's not mentioned in detail and that's it
2: i I, I think that this this season very like you could just finish watching season one of jessica jones and immediately move into season two and you would not miss a beat like and you also don't
1: don't need to watch any of the other marvel netflix shows yeah which
0: i think is something that i just want to transition to and talk about because this was something that uh kind of fed the hype leading up to the defenders uh All the wait between seasons of shows was kind of justified because they interlinked into one giant event, The Defenders. You were okay with waiting a long time for Daredevil Season 2 because you got little tidbits of the overarching story that was happening in all the other shows as they popped up. Season 2 of Jessica Jones did little to advance what another possible ensemble uh, superhero series could do. It didn't really tease anything that could be happening with Daredevil Season 3. I'm kind of wondering if people will... A loser tolerance, you know? Are we going to wait another two years for Jessica Jones Season 3 if there's nothing to really, like really look forward to beyond the events of what happened two years ago by the time it comes out. I mean, honestly, it's. I feel like it's
2: actually part of a trend, even, that uh, Marvel television has been going through, especially when it comes to, like, the MCU shows. Uh, for, I mean, I think it actually started with Punisher, which, obviously, kind of had that link to Daredevil Season 2, but was very much its own thing. Uh, Runaways, I'm still not entirely sure whether or not that show is actually connected to the right. Marvel universe. Like, it's I don't little, know either. <laughs> it's actually, uh, yeah. c- like, maybe mention of it and now you have Jessica Jones which is very much operating as as its own thing I think that that might be a part of a strategy with kind of just the division that exists within Marvel Studios and kind of getting away from having all the fans ask like so when are the Defenders going to join the Avengers on the big screen because just the relationship behind the scenes just isn't really allowing that for happen so I do feel like maybe there's a possibility that Jeff Loeb and company are kind of diverting the stream and saying like TV is just going to be its own thing and just as far as pacing goes I am actually kind of okay with it for starters, because I feel like a lot of the other shows are going to be doing the heavy lifting in that department. For example, uh, we know there's going to be crossover between iron fist and Luke Cage coming up right. in the next, uh, Luke Cage season. But also I just feel like we are also happen to be living in an amazing, uh, like atmosphere of television where, for example, you have a show like Fargo that, uh, it doesn't come back until there's an idea. And like, The idea that you're not working on kind of an annual schedule where you're saying, like, we have to rush and get all these episodes done because otherwise people will lose interest. I much prefer living in a world where, like, shows don't happen unless there is an idea, like, an actual idea, a great idea behind it and motivating it to happen. So I definitely do understand the perspective of, like... It's it's been a long time since we last saw like Jessica Jones within a Jessica Jones series, but if we have to wait for season three to happen because like we're waiting on Melissa Rosenberg to actually have a good idea to spur it on, I actually I, I appreciate that atmosphere currently because again there's so much else to watch.
1: That's yeah, a fair I, point. I get what you're saying, and I I basically agree with that. Yeah. I'd rather have them wait until there's a good idea, than you know just rush stuff out on a yearly basis. But at the same time in an atmosphere where a lot of people are binging things you don't sit with a show for Very true. three or four or five months out of a year so it's not with with you you know for a large amount of time it's with you maybe for a weekend or a couple of weeks and then it's out of your life for two and a half years or whatever and i don't know
2: <laughs> no, I, I, I totally feel you. Like, I mean, like the fact that, like, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I watched these the show in the span of like three days, and right. so it's gone now. Like, I, I watched all of yeah. it's good on season two. I may find myself rewatching it in maybe like a year or two, or at some point. But you're absolutely right in the sense that, like, you do lose that from the weekly, like being part of kind of a zeitgeist quality. It's just as soon as it's out, the the hardcore fans are all going to stream it immediately. And then kind of it's, uh, it exists, but it's not at the forefront of your brain.
1: Yeah.
0: Two years in the making, two years of anticipation on my part. And I'm a big believer in that anticipation definitely, and I'm sure, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but anticipation definitely piles into your, like, what you feel about a show afterwards. You know, like, obviously you can watch a movie like Get Out that you know nothing about, and that movie is super popular, but then there's Ready Player One, which is a Steven Spielberg epic with all these characters you recognize. Your expectations for those two films at the time prior to their release are going to be wildly different, and your reaction based on that is going to reflect that. I've been waiting two and a half years for Jessica Jones, and after watching it, I can say that I did enjoy it. However, I feel like this was a story that I would have enjoyed much more had it come out a year from Jessica Jones season one. I felt like I didn't see enough. I felt like there was just some things. It felt a little jumbled. It felt like it didn't take two years to write the story. It felt felt like they wrote it in the month following the season and then sat on it and waited to go into production till down the line. I don't know. How'd you guys feel about this leading up to it? Anticipation versus what you saw. Uh,
1: My anticipation was probably at like a five. And after seeing it, I was at like a three or four. <laughs> I wasn't super crazy about what they did here. Okay. Eric, how are you feeling about it?
2: Uh, well, where I was, I mean, I would say Jessica Jones season one. I mean, I've, i feel like I've ranked my uh, the seasons of these Netflix Marvel Netflix shows on this. It's on the been pretty high before. up there, if I remember. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's my it's yeah. my third favorite. It goes Daredevil season one, Luke Cage season one, Jessica Jones season one. So I really liked it. And I know at the start of the show uh, we had mentioned that we shouldn't be talking too much about Iron Fist. However, it <laughs> took its toll. Like Iron Fist legitimately took its toll on my interest level in this like this portion of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was mm-hmm. the Revelation that like oh wow, not only can Marvel Studios material be bad, it can be super bad. So like that in terms of just anticipation, it it lowered that bar for me on a certain level to the to actually the point where uh just last week I was actually saying like that I wasn't really necessarily looking forward to watching it, even though it was coming on later that evening, and then found out from co-workers that oh no, it's actually already online. So that should give you the base level (laughs) of where my anticipation was. However, so like that. That uh, kind of attitude going in, I liked season two of Jessica Jones. I think I, I agree that it's definitely uneven. I think it had uh, a lot of the same problems that a lot of Marvel Netflix shows do, which uh, kind of originates from that thirteen episode order. Uh, right. Which I I think that it took some interesting choices again this is the kind yeah. of the spoiler is free part of this conversation so i think it took some interesting mm-hmm. choices in terms of the larger narrative that i think both helped and hindered it and uh like but overall i will say that i walked away saying oh yeah this is uh I- i'm interested in seeing more of this character so yeah i walked away like
0: a- a- pleasantly surprised given the level of anticipation that i had going in all right i think we got three Pretty solid different opinions on this, which is always makes for a great episode. Now is where I warn you, the listener, we're getting into spoiler territory. We're all ready and rearing to go talk about what we loved and hated about the season. So pop on out of here if you're not trying to hear that. You've been warned. Now, into season two of Jessica Jones' spoiler discussion. Let's talk about the whole IGH storyline. Let's talk about Jessica's mom. I personally thought while there were some things about season two that I wasn't too crazy about, Janet McTeer as Jessica's mom was not one of them. I thought for all the time it took, they kind of drug out the whole dynamic between her and Jessica at points in the series. But I thought her performance was just like hands down my favorite part of season two. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Well, Janet McTeer is always awesome. what else
0: is she in I I I recognize her but I didn't know her from anything I'm gonna
1: admit this this is kind of part of my problem is that like I don't
2: really know who Janet McTeer is like I like I actually kind of wish that they're just in the same way that you had like Vincent D'Onofrio playing Kingpin and David Tennant playing Purple Man like I, I was kind of wanting a little bit of star power to like for a role as significant as Jessica Jones's mom and like I looked at her resume and I'm Like, as much as I watch a lot of stuff, I think the only thing I've actually seen her in was, like, the Divergent sequels, which I can't imagine are representative of her body of work. Well,
1: okay. The first time I saw her, and I've remembered her since this movie, and it probably came out in, like, 2000 or 2002 or something like that. She did a movie called Tumbleweeds, where it's about her. came out in
0: 2000, by the way.
1: Okay, 2000. Uh, it's her and her young, her teenage daughter, and she's kind of a wild mom and her daughter is the more responsible one. And I think she got a golden globe nomination for that, uh, part, but she's so good in that movie. I've seen it maybe twice and every time, and I remember her based on that performance. So, you know, everything else I've seen her in and granted, she hasn't been in a whole lot of stuff, um, but everything I've seen her in she's always been good in and I just I always want to see her because of watching her in that movie. So I get wanting to have some star power in the in the in the role, but I think it I think it worked. I think she did a really good job with it.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. All right, let's keep rolling with the positives before we start rolling <laughs> out the negatives. Give us other great things about season 2 of Jessica Jones.
1: Oh, uh, I mean, like, this is oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say I like the way they used Kilgrave. I thought they did that in a really good way. Um, to have him come in as just kind of the devil on Jessica's shoulder after she has <laughs> accidentally but killed her third person, yeah. um, and just kind of encouraging her, encouraging her to constantly do bad things once he comes in. Um, I really like the way they used him. I and I can see agree. him continuing to show up in that way if they do more seasons of this.
2: I mean, honestly, like, and this is kind of a weird thing to say, especially given that I was just lauding Jessica Jones season one. But one thing about Jessica Jones season one is that I thought that did a little bit too much Purple Man. And so, like, for this one, uh, I I loved how, like, that just, I loved that one episode, honestly. I think that was the strongest episode of the entire season. Uh, I agree. And it, was, it was a fantastic just utilization of that character. And mm-hmm. it, it, it reminded you of just that trauma. And it's just, and also I just love the fact that while it's not like I mean, it's mentioned occasionally throughout the course of the episode, of uh, course, of this season. It's not ever a focal point. However, yeah. it's the episode that drives home as like, oh no, this is still very much with her. She's not over this trauma in any yeah. single way. Like, and I yeah, I agree that devil on the shoulder uh, angle. I thought was a wonderful take for that character. And David Tennant, of course, is
0: wonderful. So love
2: yeah. that
0: guy. David Tennant is wonderful, and I believe we have discussed this before in past episodes. But one of the fears when pictures of David Tennant first surfaced for Jessica Jones season two was there was a fear that Kilgrave could come back and that would kind of cheapen the impact that his death had on Jessica Jones it would ultimately kind of hurt the story I think Marvel kind of walked that line perfectly in this by giving him his own standalone episode for those who love David Tennant as Kilgrave and wanted to see more but in no way remove the impact of what he did in season one they didn't try yeah. to resurrect him they didn't try to play it out he got his full episode, and then he was out, and we were back in the story, and it was it was perfect. I loved it. Sure. Mm-hmm. I completely agree.
2: I still, there is still a part of me, and I may have even mentioned this on past episodes, that, like, somewhat bemoans uh, the death yeah. of Kilgrave. Because, I mean, like, I, like, one thing that I would have loved to see is just have, have his jaw ripped off. Like, he can't talk anymore, and, like, just kind of strip him of his powers. Then we right. can keep him alive and isn't, like, a positional force and also have the opportunity to bring him back. But obviously like the fact that Jessica Jones winds up killing him is a m- important influential factor on the way that the story goes. And of course that episode
0: specifically uh, hinges right on it. So mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Let's get another of Eric. I know you probably got one in you. I do. Uh,
2: I will actually give a uh, shout out to Trish Walker uh, that like there were some ups and downs uh, within the, the the arc that the character undergoes over the course of this season to the point where i was just like i kind of wanted like I, I have a shaved head but i did want to tear my hair <laughs> out because i'm just like god yeah. damn it trish what are you
1: doing i uh, thought she was but- going to end up being a super villain by the end i thought i thought they were going to do away with the whole hellcat thing and just say fuck it we're, we're making her jessica's new like big villain i felt the same uh- way I thought
2: I've actually felt very much the same way as well, and frankly, even especially after like she kind of comes out of her coma and uh, like she's still berating Jessica for taking her out uh, and like not letting the surgery finish, like. She, she has clear issues like Trisha's is is a seriously yeah. problematic personality, but that's son- something that I actually really like is the fact that like as much as I appreciated her gall and like strength in the season one and helping Jessica like come back to normal. This is the season where it really just dives into all of her demons and she has some seriously significant demons Uh, and I just really appreciated the way that it all played out. That said, uh I and actually I'll throw this to you guys. I'm curious how you feel about her final moment and actually that revelation that she has powers because it seems almost like a gift
0: for a lot of neg- like a lot of negative action. I don't know how you guys feel about it. I need to kick it over that to Adrian cuz I know she's got I know she's got some Trish issues that she's just wanting to jump into.
1: Well, well just like Eric was saying, she, Trish issues if you will. Yeah, she does so much crazy <laughs> shit um from taking um, Will uh, Simpson, that's, that's the character's name, right? No. Taking, his his inhaler, inhaler, yeah. taking his inhaler, taking his inhaler. As soon and as she did that the
2: first time, I was like, oh, Trish, what are you doing? So,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and of course she becomes addicted to it. She almost gets Malcolm, oh. <laughs> she almost gets Malcolm hooked on it. Um,
2: that was such and, a sad moment.
1: I don't know, just her drive. I mean it count come, it comes from a good place or drive to want to help people and do more. Um but it's but also she, kind of
0: infuriating.
1: Well yeah, yeah because she keeps because doing it comes crazy from jealousy. shit. Yeah. And it you comes know? from jealousy. Like it's just yeah. the fact
2: that like she's envious Jessica's of the abilities Jessica's and got she wants powers that
1: I don't. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I just for me, I think an issue I have with Trish was I didn't necessarily see at first that connection. It took until Trish said it. I was like basically she took something in the moment cuz she wanted to help Jessica. That was kind of how I read it. And then she became hooked on this drug and then it slowly transitioned into her like wishing she had powers to help people and something else. And I didn't necessarily see that connect and that kind of bugged me a little bit. I Well, I don't think so it was, was a something.
1: slow transition. I think taking those drugs just revealed that that, that since she's known Jessica, that's always been something that's just been in the back of there. her mind. Yeah.
2: I she think has always she does... wanted
1: to have powers.
2: Yeah, that's why she does like the martial art, the Krav Maga yeah. training in like the first season. So I think that was subtly always something that was there. And it's just like,
0: this was obviously the kind of escalation of it. All yeah. right. I can respect that. What I cannot necessarily respect <laughs> is the tease ending where she's basically, I believe we're confirming that she's going to become Hellcat or she's on that path. Right. Yeah. And I felt yet again, I'm afraid season three is going to be a very Trish Walker story and something that season two already felt like a very Trish Walker dominated story. It took a long time before we had a solid episode with just Jessica going on. It took Trish being put into a coma for us to finally get more Jessica attention. There was just way too much Trish in this season that I felt personally. Well, I think part of
2: that just comes from the fact that this is a season that is—it's not traditional in, in in a similar like uh, main central bad guy uh, that the other seasons have had. So you've kind of yeah. had to spread that a little bit more around. Uh, you couldn't like IGH and and uh, Jessica's mom. She she wasn't a big bad that you necessarily had like Jessica constantly right. in conflict with. So like I feel like Trish's present more like more her, her increased presence was kind of balancing that out a little bit but i mean i i do i am very very conflicted about uh her getting powers at the end just because like i was saying like i do feel for all of the really terrible stuff that she does and like she like while she again to to what you were saying adrian the fact that she does want to help people is certainly admirable but she like does some really terrible stuff to the point where she actually like sticks malcolm in a trunk that's not yeah. really that cool and like manipulates him and uses him so that she can find yeah. a doctor. And so like there is not necessarily an ends justify the means excuse that can be done here. So it does at th- when you have that like drop cell phone moment where she catches it on her foot. Uh, it does kind of feel like on a certain level, she's being rewarded for all of her like not so great actions.
1: Yeah. At the same time though, she does. She is the one who, <laughs> Basically, and this annoyed me. She is the one who solves what is the main problem of the the show. She's the one who takes out Jessica's mom. Yeah. You know, Jessica did didn't even get to be the one who saw who takes takes care of the main bad guy in the show. It's yeah. Trish.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. It was a. Uh, you brought up something earlier, Eric, and I think that it is something we do need to discuss. The lack of a big bad—it's—it's—it's it's, it's amazing to me. On one point, because I definitely felt the presence where I kept waiting for that reveal. I was like, "Okay, Carl Malice—he's the guy." we to I need swear to, look to God, I thought
1: everybody was straight up going to be evil.
0: Right, <laughs> everybody. Went, okay, it's There's... Carl, and then I was like, "Okay, it's Jessica's mom." And yep. I was like, "Okay, it is Trish," and then I yep. get to the end, and I'm like, "Well, son of a bitch!" Like, but despite <laughs> yeah. all that. Marvel still managed to stay to their like formula of 13 episodes where shit didn't hit the fan until episode 10. And the real story wasn't really revealed until like episodes five through seven as what's actually happening. I think that that's kind
2: of what's funny about it is I almost feel like not having a big bad was specifically a reaction to try and like make the 13 episodes a bit more manageable. Because if you do have that like big bad that sets up just a one-on-one conflict that you're, Carrying for thirteen hours worth of footage. Meanwhile, if you do spread it around like that, then there is potential just more little plot pickups that you can pick up on, and it feels like less of a drag. However, I completely agree with the fact that like it doesn't really work in that way. Like instead, yeah, it you still, just feel it like you're dealing with strands. It yeah. still
1: feels like a drag to me. And as I was watching it and picking out characters that I thought were going to be, uh, you know, after that, after like um, episode five, I think at the end of episode five is when we realized that. Jessica's bomb is the one who's going around killing people and that she's also got powers and was also experimented on all this kind of other kind of stuff. Um, from that point on, I was wondering who like the one, who was going to be the person with the big plan, the big evil plot or whatever. And I suspected, um, uh, Trisha's boyfriend, Griffin. Uh, I suspected Inez. Uh, I wanna- Oscar, Oscar the Super, um, Inez's I con man, uh, boyfriend, Price Chang, Jerry. <laughs> like, I thought everybody was going to turn out to be the one with the big evil plan. And it was just like nobody. And I like just the general idea of uh, stepping out of the traditional superhero TV thing where there's a big bad who lasts for the whole season and trying to spread things around and do, do things differently. But I think Jessica Jones might, even though it's a very different kind of show because she's a detective and not really technically a superhero, I think this might be the type of series that needs the story push you get from a big bad. Because I still felt like there was just too much like stupid middle ground stuff where nothing happened. Like after we find out that, Okay, not only is I.G.H. not really a factor because Carl, the guy who was in charge of I.G.H., by the time Jessica gets to him, he's already shut the thing down. So that's not even an issue anymore. And her mom, while she is a murderer, needs to go to prison at the very least and all that kind of stuff. She's only doing that because she's trying to protect the little bit of a normal life that she's been able to have with Carl. She thought all these people were, you know, standing in the way of that and going to expose them. So she was really just trying to protect herself and protect Carl. And after we realized that IGH is not a factor and her mom is the one killing people, to me, it basically just turned into a family drama where Jessica's mad at her mom. Her mom is mad at her. Jessica turns her mom in and then they have some conversations that are kind of nice. And Trish is mad at Jessica. Jessica's mad at Trish. Malcolm is mad at Jessica. Jessica's mad at Malcolm. (laughs) what the what what the fuck people? like this isn't this isn't not what i signed up for when i started watching the show
2: it's kind of like you need a big circle to draw around all of the little circles kind of
1: thing yeah yeah uh, I, 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 I mean
2: i will also say just to kind of like the family drama aspect of it all when they revealed like when they had the whole like jessica finding uh her the room and like finding out that it was her mom yeah like I, I didn't love that reveal just because like I do also feel like there are so many like I'm so glad you said that by the way that just they, yeah. they hinge on like these parental like conflicts and like I get it like I get that like going like Sigmund Freud says like your parents fuck you up. Like that's that's how yeah. it works. <laughs> I get it. Um that being said, like that is such a prevalent thing in Marvel storytelling, and I it, it, it like so when you had that connection revealed, it just kind of felt a little bit too easy on a certain level just because like mm-hmm. to me imme- just to just have that revelation that her mom's alive like that immediately creates a like understandable situation that you can relate to the characters and it just feels like a shortcut it, like you, instead of creating finding some way for Jessica to relate with this like what we from all, from all appearances just seems like a random like rage filled monster Uh instead you just immediately yeah. bring them together because you have this familiar
0: connection and you don't need to do any more legwork Mm-hmm. I feel, and I hate to play like armchair screenwriter right here, but <laughs> it's it's something where I just have to bring in Trish yet again. But I feel like there was a way to do this season because as you said, uh, when they revealed that it was Jessica's mom in episode five, yeah, it was kind of trippy. But at the same time, I was like, you know, I don't feel anything from that. I don't know anything about Jessica's mom. I don't know anything about Jessica's relationship with her mom. And yeah. part of me wondered, began to wonder if, if in episode two, Jessica had recognized her mother, even though we know that'd probably be possible, it's years down the road, it wouldn't be possible. If Jessica had recognized her mom in episode two and went on a t- task to find her, all while showing flashbacks of her mother's dynamic and her, how she's changed from how she was in the past to how she was now, as opposed to kind of laying the groundwork for what I would assume is going to be a Hellcat spinoff. Because I feel like there was a lot of time dedicated to Trisha's <laughs> origin story as Hellcat. Yeah. I The skeptical part of me believes Marvel wants to see how fans respond to see if they can turn in yet another, just even if it's a limited series, a Trish Walker Hellcat series. I just have to believe that's probably happening. Otherwise, they would have given more legs to Jessica and her mother's story. Because once we got rolling, you know, episode five, I wasn't engaged. But by episode 10, 11, I was fully hooked. I wanted to see how it played out between her and her mother. I wanted to see how they resolved things. I just wish I would have had more time to like really feel invested in it. It would have been a much more emotional payoff at the end. Had I had a little more context to their relationship.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. I'm
0: also pissed because Malcolm did drugs and then I was waiting for the fall. I was like, there's going to be some fucking payoff to this shit. <laughs> Two episodes go by. He doesn't appear. He appears the yeah. third episode later. he doesn't even, this is no big deal. Completely clean. <laughs> He's back on the wagon. No no nobody know he ended the episode sprinting into the night.
1: Yeah. And like we don't
0: know <laughs> I thought something was it going was
1: to happen there. It sure. was very dramatic. It was very dramatic. You are and nothing, afraid.
0: nothing happens there.
1: It, it
2: is kind of a bummer that just overall, he's kind of just a punching bag this season. Like he, he yeah. exists to kind of have like, to do Jessica's bidding and be constantly fired and yelled at. Uh, obviously mm-hmm. Trish completely takes advantage of him as soon as she has the opportunity. Uh, yeah. And it's just like, I I like Malcolm as a character, and I thought like his the use of him in season one with Kilgrave manipulating him to get closer to Jessica. that was a cool machination, but like where they like leave him, where he's like become a professional, is associating with Jerry. It's just like it's ah like it's 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 like you just tried to find an idea to deal with Malcolm, yeah. and you're just like okay, well I finish. didn't
1: care. I'm like oh yeah. he he's got a job and he cut his hair. Good for him. I didn't care about that at all. <laughs>
0: I did I did like it and I'll tell you why I liked it. I liked first off I think Echo Darville is one of the like slept on stars of this Marvel series. And he didn't get a lot of play in The Defenders. He doesn't get a lot of play in the crossover just because his character is kind of limited. I think introducing him into Jerry's fold allows him to appear. He's kind of going to be the Claire where he can pop in because she has the Rand account. She has she's going to be an Iron Fist. So you're probably going to see Malcolm in Iron Fist. I can see him popping up in other places playing some kind of sleuthing detective work for Jerry who if I had to say was the biggest villain of season two Jerry's like going back to her old ways at the end was the most satisfying but also twisted thing I saw happen in Mm. season two I absolutely loved it I dug that as well
2: I will say actually just because it just I just remembered it literally uh Foggy Nelson like I I, like the fact that he shows up in that one episode like I do have a certain fear about where Malcolm ends up because Like, that's where Foggy Nelson ended up at the end of Daredevil season two. And not much happened from that. So, like, I just, I don't want to see, like, I mean, it's possible, like, in Iron Fist, we could have, like, a a scene similar to what Foggy Nelson had in this one where Malcolm just shows up in her office one day and says, like, this is happening. But, uh, yeah, like, now that I'm thinking about those, I kind of wish that there was a bit more Foggy just because, like, he was in this mix. Clearly he had this association with
0: Jerry and, like, there's all this drama going on, but he's out of the picture. Yeah, very little connection to any... It was just kind of like, hey, here's Foggy. All right, he's gone. Like, just so the fans could see him.
1: Yeah. Uh, Also, I am not watching Iron Fist just to see Malcolm. That's not going to happen.
0: (laughs) 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 Going back to Jerry, the whole ALS storyline, which I thought was... Part of me was happy that she got healed, but then when I found out she wasn't healed, I was like, this is kind of awesome because I love Carrie and Moss as that character and to know that there's a finite amount of time for whatever she has planned the kind of divisive character that she is i don't know it kind of made me like her character even more i don't know how you guys feel about jerry but i think for me she's one of the characters anytime she appears in a marvel series she's always up to something she's kind of feels like lex Luthor to me like lex Mm -hmm. Luthor in the animated justice league he's all she's always plotting something in the background working behind the scenes
2: Well, honestly, just kind of within that, like, what is weird about her arc this season is I feel like as she was developing her relationship with Inez, like, I did kind of, like, I was, I did have in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, is she trying to, like, maybe do basically what Trish Walker ends up doing? And, like, Get go into IGH and have like the surgery to fix herself, but it it is kind of nice that it winds up not being something sinister. That she yeah. is like, and it's actually the same thing with Griffin and Trish. Like the fact that you have like what seems like him sneaking around behind her back, and it like ultimately, uh, it's just a wedding proposal, like a fancy wedding proposal. But like I kind of like that it diverts your certain expectations that you have for the characters, uh, and in, in doing so, it softens Jerry to a weird point that is kind of creates a nice arc for her. But then you have that slip back at the end where you're just like, "Oh no, this is Jerry Hogarth," and when Jerry Hogarth is pissed off at you, she she will fuck you up. Like she will have you shot. Like she, she certainly would, like, did. Yeah,
1: which, she'll make uh, sure like, you
2: uh, murder somebody. I I thought that was a like really like just a strong arc for the, like for the character in the season, and considering that she spends like a lot of the show kind of living on the outside of the story with really Inez as the only kind of connector to Jessica Jones. There really isn't right. much else going on other than like mm-hmm. the subtle like investigation of her partners, which really right. again is like winds up being Malcolm's thing and not in like what all of like three scenes. Um, yeah. But like I,
0: I, I did, I, I did appreciate overall what like Carrie Ann Moss was doing and Jerry, Jerry Hogarth's role in this season. So we come to the end of season two and I, I want to know how you guys feel like at the end of season two, because the way I felt was Jessica gets a somewhat happy ending. She's kind of starting things off with Oscar, the super. Mm-hmm. She's got she's got Vito there, and he's asking her about being a superhero, and she kind of gets a happy ending. But of course, like there's no tease into what's next for Jessica. It's all kind of reliant, like you said, on Trish. She catches the phone with her foot, and then it's like, oh, is was this going to be a Hellcat story next time? That doesn't seem like something I'm necessarily down for. I'm going to have to make peace with that. Maybe see how I feel about it down the line. But just where do you think, where does the series go from here? They kind of closed off Jessica's story to where it could almost practically go anywhere. Where would you like it to go? honestly yes,
2: I, I like my and like this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about like Kilgrave being such a like dominant force in season one I'm still want her like to see more of Jessica Jones the private detective like I want to see more of a certain episodic uh nature added to this very serialized show where you actually have an episode like where I guess more episodes because they did kind of one in season one uh but where she's just like she a client comes in she gets a case uh she works the case and she like runs it to its finish like you can almost do it like a standard, like what would have been like a nineties episode of television. But like, I, I would just want to see more of that uh, private detective side of the story. Mm-hmm. Cause that, I mean, that's, that's what Brian Michael Bendis initial creation of her was the idea that you have the private detective story, but you also have the superhero antics on top of it. And that's something that in the larger machinations of this show has never really been like fully explored.
0: So. And I think you can do that now that IGH is done. That mystery is laid to rest. You have the Grey thing. It's still six with her, but you know that thing's done. You've told kind of the major parts of Jessica's story. Maybe it could transition to episodic. What were your thoughts on going forward, uh, Adrian? Do you is there any direction you'd like that. to see the
1: series head? I agree with that. I can see it becoming more of a just a week to week detective tale. I'm just not sure because.
0: As we've kind of seen, there was very little inclusion of the other shows in this. There was brief mentions, Easter eggs. There was mentions of Danny Rand. There was Foggy popping in. There was Turk uh, coming in to help yeah. Jerry in the late hour. He always works his way in there. Claire Temple didn't show up again, so I guess they're breaking that streak with Rosaria Dawson. They're just kind of moving on from that, which is fine. I just I didn't think there was a way to work Jessica into the future stories. You know, There was no way for Jessica to suddenly appear on the scene during Luke Cage Season 2 or Iron Fist, or Daredevil, which I think is fine. It's fine. Her stories don't really mix in that well. I mean, if we're talking just based on the comics, though, like, I mean, Jessica Jones
2: and Luke Cage, they wind up having a kid together. Like, they like they have a, a relationship that is, for, like, which is, I mean, basically why Luke Cage made his debut in Jessica Jones season one. And mm-hmm. so I like that relationship a lot. Obviously, Luke Cage has a lot of other stuff that he's dealing with, like, right. and we're going to get to see it this summer. But like that is something that I do kind of miss. I do uh, like I I, I I like that Luke Cage relationship,
0: and so yeah, it, it bums me out a little. Cool. One one final thing I want to mention on that note: Did you guys feel like season two was almost way toned down compared to season one of Jessica Jones? Not as much gratuitous sex, not as much swearing. Even Jessica Jones said freaking. And
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, it was
0: it was it just felt a little more subdued. Uh, she doesn't even, even get more like than... super sloppy drunk.
2: Like she right. doesn't like. She gets she gets a little drunk, but she doesn't like get like wow train wreck
0: Jessica. So I wouldn't go yeah. as far to say it was family friendly, but it was definitely less violent than like Iron Fist, where they were like mutilating bodies like midway through the series. It was definitely I. It just kind of took me back because I remembered like literally they showed <laughs> Luke Cage breaking the bed, having sex with Jessica in season one. <laughs> To, like, very... I don't even know if they had, like, a... Did they have a Jessica sex scene in this in this season? Well, Jessica had
2: sex with that guy in the bathroom uh, at the start, in the bar. Oh, uh, like yeah. That yeah, that's yeah, that's a little risque. Uh, yeah. And I guess she sleeps She sleeps with Oscar at some point, too, doesn't she? Yeah, but you don't she see it. She tries to. But yeah. you don't see it, yes. Um, but I, I do wonder if maybe that is partially just a reaction to the fact that... I mean, Daredevil season one was, what, 2013? Uh, And so like when Marvel Netflix shows started, they did certainly have kind of a like PG-17 aspect to them where people were saying like, oh, this is a little bit more of a darker, more risque side of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then kind of relating back to what I was saying, where like the show is like a little bit less tangentially connected to all of that bigger business. I do feel like the show has some leeway to kind of not necessarily feel like it has to push boundaries or anything like that and could kind of just exist as the show that it
1: is. And also, just uh, speaking to her behavior and how that seems to have changed, maybe that's just supposed to be the character growing a bit. Yeah, grow- not, you know, <laughs> pur- purposely not getting blackout drunk, you know? Okay,
0: yeah. Yeah, I can see that.
1: All right, so we made,
0: for those of you at home, a little treat, the Jessica Jones Season 2 drinking game that will hopefully get you just a smash. As Jessica is in, I guess, season one. Season two, yeah. she kind of keeps it in control. Not, I don't say she keeps it in control. She definitely chugged Maker's Mark more than a few times. Yeah. I apologize two. for
2: destroying your segue. That was terrible.
0: So, no, you're fine. Uh, so we we got a couple things. I put that we could have a drink, too. If there's anything you guys think that maybe you should take a shot to, if there's anything less frequently that pops up, something that you chug the whole bottle in, which you almost rarely never see happen, that's, that's also a great one. I had for my picks. Take a drink after Malcolm talks about his struggles with addiction, which was like damn near constantly. <laughs> it was like, don't get me wrong, I understand addiction is a serious problem. You got to deal with it, but like, it was literally ninety percent of Malcolm's <laughs> dialogue related to his addiction, and I was just like, "Come on, man, let's let's move past it." Uh, anytime Jessica rolls her eyes at someone, which, mm-hmm. given the nature of her character, pretty often. Yet again. Or Jessica's mom isn't seen wearing her wig. I would say that's probably one you take a shot to. It doesn't happen incredibly frequently, but it happens enough yeah. that you can get pretty tipsy if you're taking shots of something.
2: The sequence is yeah. when she's in prison not wearing that wig. Uh, yeah, it'll get pretty destroyed. But <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, Adrian, what do you got?
1: Uh, I've got take a drink after Trish gets high or complains about needing to help people or does something <laughs> stupid to try to help people. any of those things and like the last half of the season you'll just be drunk the whole time You'll actually, have to you watch kind of,
0: it again because you won't remember
2: it. Uh, <laughs> you, you did kind of take my one of mine, which is just basically like anytime that Trish like sh- clearly demonstrates insane jealousy for Jessica Jones's powers. But yeah. yeah so I uh, like that. I, for my rules, I said uh, take a drink anytime anyone says whizzer. Uh, just because like the introduction yeah. of that character I think is actually kind of fun. That is an actual speedster character from Marvel Comics. Uh, and so I thought that was just kind of funny. Uh, the fact that uh, like I feel like they stretched out the period where Jerry wasn't like lit, like identifying what her condition was. Like right. they knew that they mm-hmm. had the doctor's condi- like the doctor's appointment where it was just complete silence, and then like we knew that she was getting meds and like, but they just completely avoided, uh, like weirdly, like to an awkward point where they just would not say LS, which I thought was weird. And uh, whenever Alyssa switches into rage mode, which I think,
0: uh, yeah, that's probably a shot per episode.
1: Yeah, or, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. I let's see if there's ones that I could just spitball off the top of my head. I would go take a drink every time the word Patsy comes out. Anytime somebody <laughs> says the name Patsy, it's Patsy. Yeah, that's
2: good. Yeah. That, yeah,
0: that'd be one you'd have to look out for. Is there any ones? Any other ones? You know, there's one thing that I found. There's times where Jessica is selectively strong where you see Jessica, like Kristen Ritter, like gripping the refrigerator when she was frustrated. And I yeah. was like, okay, but like, wouldn't she like rip that door off? Like you see those muscles tensing. It's, it's, I don't know. It, I don't know why I let it bug me, but I was like, when she was getting banged by that dude, she like broke that <laughs> stall. Yet when she does it later with her cell phone, squeezing her cell phone out of anger, she's not snapping that in half. I think half. that's true. <laughs> they got to keep, they got, they need a continuity guy on that to be like, look, you need to keep this in control. Kristen you can't be flexing so much. Like <laughs> get your shit together, Marvel. That's all I'm saying. You guys got any other drinking game rules? Any ones that can pop off the top of your head? Yeah, I think I'm. Ex- I, I think that's good. All right, <laughs> yeah, very, very, very- we got it. You'll get plenty drunk listening, doing it that. Just write it all down, or just keep rewinding the podcast perpetually, and just yeah. listening over to the rules until you've memorized it. <laughs> and I believe we've reached the end of the episode, Eric. Another great Marvel episode. It seems like we've done a thousand. And it always sounds like it, we've isn't? done a thousand because we always just like flow through them so quickly. Yeah. Seriously. What have you got to plug for us? Uh, well, you can always catch me on the uh, Cinema Blend Facebook page every Thursday at
2: 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST, uh, where I host my weekly Hero Blend episode. Uh, and you can hear me talk endlessly about uh, Marvel and DC and all that uh, various madness that goes on in the world of comic book movies and television shows. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at E. Eisenberg, uh, where I regularly share all of my thoughts and opinions about uh the various movie and television world so uh yeah that's uh, and of course you can i like hanging out here with you guys because uh you guys are awesome yeah Aww. that's right
0: follow us at the Core of <laughs> podcast we're awesome that's we need to put that as our quotes for like things about the show description eric has some pretty notable credits in hollywood
1: eric <laughs> eisenberg
0: cinemablend.com <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing Drop us a review on iTunes. We now have a ranking on iTunes. I've been so excited about it. And I want it to go higher. So keep giving us reviews. Keep sharing your thoughts on the show. You can tweet us at Cord Cutter Podcast. Maybe we'll respond. Maybe we won't. I don't have control of the, face, of the Twitter account. So we'll see. <laughs> next week. I, yeah, I'm just saying I won't see it all the time, basically. Is what I'm saying. Tune in next week for our TV comedies and stand the test of time episode. We got Corey Chickazola coming in. Until next time, guys. TV is overrated. Keep on cord cutting.